1: The first time investor and the lifelong trader. This is the Biz 1440. KYCR, Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The debt limit talks continue on Capitol Hill.
2: I thought we made progress
1: last night. That's speaker, Kevin McCarthy, sounding optimistic yesterday. It took a break after no agreement was reached into the wee hours of this morning. Today with talks expected to continue. Russia's military has struck a building containing psychology and veterinary uh, facilities in Dnipro in central Ukraine. The BBC's James Landau reports two people were killed, two children among the 30 people who were wounded in that attack.
2: Ukraine has called a day of mourning um, for the two people who died in that strike. Uh, they're still clearing up the, 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 the remnants of the building that was destroyed. Um, we now know that
1: 32 people were injured. Uh, 13 of them are still in hospital and five, we're told, are in a very serious condition. The BBC's James Landell reporting, and this is SRN News. Wally Langfellow and Eric Nelson from Minnesota Score Radio's 10,000 Takes talking about Minnesota's 10,000 losing teams. Wild Wolves, Gophers, Twins, Vikings, you name it, we'll cover it. Will any team step up and give Minnesota's long-suffering fans something to cheer about? If they do, we'll tell you about it on 10,000 Takes. 10,000 Takes, weeknights at 5, here on the Biz 1440. Twin Cities Business Radio.
4: Please call 1 800 366 7773. 1 800 366 7773. Or visit our website at prolifacrossamerica.org. Pro-life America is non political and totally educational.
5: A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. ProLife Across America, the people.
0: If you could build the world's greatest radio station, where would you start? We'd begin by creating a live station that's able to provide breaking news updates. Then we'd install some of today's top political voices behind the mic. Finally, we'd craft a convenient way to listen with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not a work in progress, it's on the air now. AM 1280 The Patriot. Intelligent radio. Online at AM 1280ThePatriot.com.
1: Portions of this program may have been pre recorded.
0: The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
6: Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show. How about a Fresca? Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. He's
7: a strange doctor. Strange doctor. Oh, hey.
8: We finally made it to campus. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440, second hour today, and I wanted to dig into a few more uh, pieces of the uh, reports coming out this week, Uh, some of the other data. One thing that uh, we didn't talk about the first hour of the show, and if you missed the first hour of the show, maybe you decided to sleep in on this beautiful uh, Memorial Day weekend morning. Uh, Just a bright, beautiful sun out there, it's what? 70 degrees up here in St. Cloud. Can't get better. Um, go back and listen to us at uh, TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. You can find the podcast there uh, for this week and for all the past weeks. And so whenever you, whenever you find yourself needing to do something else, you need to just time shift your your King Banyan show listening. It's okay. We're, we're cool. Just go ahead and, uh, and, and download that podcast there. You know what? Even better. What if you just subscribe to it? You can do that. You can just get the show. You get the show on on your reader, I believe, every week. I think there's a reader in there. I'm going to double check that during the break, because if there isn't, there ought to be one. Um, the the particular piece of information that I am interested in the most, um, of, from this week, was actually not. The report I just spent a lot of time talking about in personal income, because again, it's the first of the three of the of uh, uh, Reinhardt referred to it as the the Vincent Reinhart referred to it as the trifecta of data, uh, and um, and uh, and the the you know what I'm going to play them again. I want you to just listen to this little comparison. So one is former Federal Reserve staff economist Vincent Reinhardt, who now works at Mellon Bank. Um, and then the second one's going to be Loretta Mester, who is the president of the Cleveland Fed. I want you to hear sort of the, run, the, the interplay between them. So let's, let's just do these again, Spencer. So this is cut number, this is Reinhardt, cut number two.
5: Absent distracting drama on the debt ceiling or banks, if the Fed gets a trifecta of strong data, the economy's active, economic activity has momentum resources are stretched and inflation, it continues to be stubborn, then they'll raise rates. So the debt ceiling matters for the next couple of weeks from the Fed's perspective. If it's hanging out there, it's harder for them to act. If it goes away, then uh, they can fo- focus more on what they really wanna focus on and that is the incoming economic data. I'm not sure what they're gonna do at the next meeting. You read the minutes that were published yesterday. They're not sure either.
8: And again, they're not sure either, meaning if I just go ahead and pull, let me pull up that quote again. Um, all emphasized, this is from the minutes of the meeting on May 2nd and 3rd. All emphasized the importance of communicating to the public their data-dependent approach. Some stressed FOMC statement should not, the, the FOMC statement Shouldn't be interpreted as signal either that decreases in tar- in the target range are likely this year, or that further increases has been ruled out. All right? Um, there is uh, there, uh, and you can just go back in our Twitter feed using the hashtag PowKBRS, Go back, and this would have I would have done this back on on Wednesday of this week, um, and you can just pull. I, I've got an entire uh, set of ten tweets that will give you pull quotes from the minutes of that report. Um, I think they're pretty clear. But So you listen to Reinhardt. Let me then play, play one more time. This was Loretta Mester on Friday on CNBC in an interview with uh, Steve Leisman, uh, cut number 16.
9: The way I view it is I would like to get to a point in the funds rate where I feel that whatever the next move is and whenever that is, it's about equally weighted between an up move and a down move. And given the data that we've had so far, I don't think we're at that level yet.
8: We're not there yet. She's, basically, she's not seeing the data yet. And, so, and she's already seen, right, in that recording, she's already heard both that that data that I was just citing to you on personal income and I'll now flip over to the second report on, the, on first quarter GDP, which revised up. But here's a couple of the key, there's two key points to be raised in those data. One, if I look at what happened with, if I look at what happened with, um, with, uh, let me, i lost that point here. And I look at profits, okay, C- profits from current production. Okay, decreased $151 billion in the first quarter, decreased uh, $60.5 billion uh, um, in the fourth quarter. And that particularly, if I look at the non. So you might say, well, maybe it's the banks. Maybe the banks are causing all the profits, right? Well, first of all, they'd have to realize the losses. So if they have unrealized losses on the balance sheets, that's not showing up in the profits data. Domestic non-financial corporations lost showed a decrease in their profits of a hundred and nine, hundred and nine billion dollars. Let me go pull the ta- let me go pull that table for a second. So their profits, okay, their profits for domestic non-financials um, were at one point just a little under two trillion dollars for profits, which um, which is still. Much higher than 2020, which is 1.4, and, high, and a little higher than 2021 at 1.8. but for 22, they were above two trillion. So we're now down approximately four-tenths of a percent versus where we were where we were at the end of 2022. Slight decrease in profits, Not very much. Has there been a lot of cooling of the economy? I would say probably not very much. There is this interesting conversation. Let me me just go to the side for a second with this interesting conversation. There are, when we teach our first year students in economics, sometimes they're they're in their second year of their studies, college studies, that'll be their first economics course. So when a student takes their first principles of macroeconomics course, just about every professor I know we'll take a little time to talk about the national income and product accounts. And if they're doing it right, at least in my view, if you're doing it right, you have to start with explaining to students there are three different ways in which we can measure, um, we can measure the output of the economy. Right, If we want to measure production or output or something like that, you can measure it in three different ways. One, you could actually try to count up all the stuff that's been made and sum it together multiplied by some set of standardized prices to get a real measure. And that's what, that's what that would be real gross production, or we would call that gross output. Another way to look at it is by taking all the expenditures that come from... The various sectors of the economy. So if I was to map an economy in what we typically would call the circular flow of the economy, there are three basic, there are four basic units out there. There are households, there are firms, there is government, and then there's the rest of the world with whom we trade, okay? Okay. If I want to count up, so one way I could do it is I could try to count exactly what's happening inside the firms and count them all up. Another way I can do it is try to count up all the money that gets paid to the firms from households, from each other, from government, and from the rest of the world. Typically, when we do a representation of the GDP report, it is that measure, consumption, meaning the money that comes from households to purchase goods and services investment business businesses buying goods for final use from each other government spending which is only the government expenditures on goods and services transfer payments don't count and then rest of world what's the net flow of international trade between the united states and other countries you put those four together that's the measure of gdp that we frequently frequently used. I've greatly oversimplified this. I'm trying to do in about three minutes what I typically take 50 to do. Then the last way to measure it, though, is by measuring the receipts received by the households from the other sections of government. And that would include wages, that includes interest and dividends, rent from property you own, and then, since entrepreneurs live in households... We count profits as part of that. And so it's only in this second measure that we actually get a look at that way of flowing it. So we would look at gross domestic income as the summation of those various payments, the wages, the rent, the interest and dividends, and the profits. If I look at those data, okay, in in real terms, that was down half a percent in the, second quarter, in the first quarter of 2023 and down four-tenths of a percent in the first quarter of 2020, uh, excuse me, down 2.3% uh, in the f- first quarter of 2023 and down 3.3% in the, first, in the fourth quarter of 2022. There are some folks out there who try to average GDP and this second number, GDI, the sum of the payments. And if you take the average of those, those are negative. Yet nobody is screaming that there's a recession going on right now because we all focus on the GDP number rather than the GDI number. But the GDI number is closer to what is closer to and kind of like, well, maybe there's a recession actually having started, maybe not, maybe the GDP numbers are waiting to catch up, maybe there's a revision coming, I don't know. But I I will say... Um, the thing that I found interesting is that the thing that's in that GDP report that you might have missed is the fact that profits are actually declining in the first quarter of 23. So is the economy really just boobing like gangbusters? Maybe. But you can if you want to dig into the data, you can find data that might not support a very robustly growing economy too. Let's take a break here. When we come back, We'll play that uh, Kashkari clip that I've basically teased for you for the last uh, for the last half hour or so. But I got a couple others that are that are like personal favorites of mine. It's Memorial Day weekend. I get to play a couple personal favorites. King Bang Show the fizz, fourteen forty. I found a picture
6: of
5: you.
1: From Zumbroda to Zambia and Detroit Lakes to some lake in Detroit. We're where you are. Stream Twin Cities Business Radio anytime, anywhere at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
7: Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. call my office now if we take you as a client i guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing
5: call for your free information kit 800-626-5252 that's 800-626-5252 800-626-5252
6: how is your car payment treating
4: you what if i told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as 83 dollars a month
0: The Ramsey Show.
1: And your husband's going to step up and get a backbone and deal with this because you're going to end up really further pissed at him if you don't. Yeah, you're going to end up losing your marriage over this. The Ramsey Show. Live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4.
8: Welcome back, King Banyan Show. The Biz 1440. Um, happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Uh, and we're we're talking through uh, talking through some of the data for the last uh, hour plus of uh, the King Banyan Show here. But I'm I'm going to switch switch um, tracks here just a little bit. Similar, but not quite the same. Uh, yeah, am I going to talk about the debt ceiling piece? All right, 60 seconds on the debt ceiling. I'm going to. Pro- then I think I'm going to get, maybe I'm going to get away from it a little bit here. Um, no, you know what? I'm not. I'm actually going to talk about this now, and then I'll I'll jump to cash carry a minute. If I since I started this, let me finish it. The debt ceiling d- debate is playing out almost exactly the way anyone that's ever had any experience around a around a legislature around a government has had. And I'm a former state legislator, so I have some fami- and went through. A shutdown of state government back in 2011. I, that was a year, the year in which I uh, worked on the budget as part of the majority. And it's amazing how close you can get Go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in these things. And there is something about the necessity of doing something right now that causes all of a sudden some things to shift and move. It did not surprise me in the slightest that the government that excuse me that house some house republicans were out in the last 24 36 hours saying something to the effect of um, saying something to the effect of well you know i we really got to have those work requirements we really got you know so maybe there's an ideal here and and to have the democrat and particularly to sort of do two tracks where the president's out saying saying there won't be a default. we're going to fix this. okay, nobody wants a default here and so forth. and then the House Democrats coming out particularly and saying saying the Republicans are terrible okay look at look at them playing games with with uh, taking taking the credit rating of this economy at risk and so sure enough, yes, on Thursday, Fitch, who's normally the one that moves first, came out with a negative credit warning. For U.S. debt saying, hey, you know, we might think about downgrading their debt from their AAA status if it turns out they actually do default. It's like, you know, if you default, you probably don't deserve a AAA status. Okay, so there's been some noise made to this effect. All right. I have to play this now because I just think it's really it's really interesting. On Thursday, um, Jim Grant. Longtime author of Grant's Interest Rate Observer. I have to tell you, I heard about Jim Grant when I was first when I was in college, and here I am now, you know, on the back on the back forty of my career. Um, and um, and I, this guy's been around a long, long time and has seen a lot of things and has is a really, really interesting writer. He's written by the way, I should recommend for you if you're ever interested in. in in um in some of what he writes uh read his biography of walter Baget. uh badget uh it's pr- it looks it's like it says bagahot b-a-g-e-h-o-t but it's pronounced badget um his biography of badget is fabulous uh, i've probably read three biographies of badget uh because he's a fascinating character and um uh, and i think i think I think Grants is the best of the three, but anyway he's been around for a long time he is he is a person that has a long time had an ad had has advocated against the Fed against monetary policy. He thinks it was terrible to break the gold standard and you can hear it in some of his commentary let 's play these two cuts first of all, cut nine, please
10: I think it will be. Re- resolved but not solved there'll be a resolution as there was in 2011 but in 2011 um, they promised uh, 2.2 trillion dollars in savings over 10 years and the net result was an increase in cumulative deficits of 11.5 trillion so on form um, and i thank david stockman for his fabulous fiscal digging but on form uh, this uh, I think imminent resolution will entail a lot of out-year promises that uh, uh, based upon history will be negated or forgotten.
8: It's not even clear to me it really does that, because all you really have is a two-year, what appears to be forming is a two-year plan um, which the current Congress can will either enforce or not, and if they break the promise, then they break the promise, and they suffer the consequences in November. And that which may be a little more real, reality-based. Um, wanting to kick things out to future Congresses is something that, you, t- you know, it's typically really uh, uh, it's a shell game. It, 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 they're not real savings if it's left to another Congress to enforce those savings upon itself. Um, Grant continues. Cut number 10.
10: Does uh, debt matter, Jim? Yes. Yes, it matters a great deal. Um, the United States lives the charmed life of the reserve currency issuer. But I think that the reserve currency is kind of a poison chalice to mix up metaphors because it facilitates um, our living, our uh, consuming much more than we produce. We are a net importer of stuff. We are a a net issuer of currency and our currency is the greatest export you can imagine. It costs nothing to produce. It is accepted worldwide. But that acceptance of the currency and the debt in which the, it the, denominated in those dollars, that acceptance we must not take for granted. And I think that rising rates that we see on the screen today um, are the intimation of the market's downgrade, never mind fish for a moment, but the market's potential marginal downgrade of the United States Treasury.
8: That's pretty i think that's fairly profound i've had this question appear i on twitter uh it's been asked to me on twitter it's been asked on the show um a couple times spencer can certainly would certainly remember uh that that you know will the u.s stop being a reserve currency there was a statistic out this week that that only that only 58 of world trade is denominated was uh, conducted in dollars uh, and 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 that number being down from a uh, number closer to 75% at some date in the past that's true but that's not necessarily what does that really mean i'm not sure i would say i would say this much about it one the dollars preeminence as the reserve currency was going to fall regardless of whether we ran good or bad monetary policy because the volume of trade has grown and therefore the volume of of along with it the volume of transactions and along with that as economies develop they get to be big enough that they can actually sustain trade in currencies other than the dollar the dollar's preeminence is a fact is a factor that dates back to World War II, when the rest of when Europe, which had been the financial center of the world, was a smoldering ruin. Japan Japan had suffered uh, uh, two atomic bombs, and there, frankly, was no other place that could guarantee the financial the, the world financial structure other than the United States. The United States got itself a heck of a bargain at Bretton Woods, okay, gave itself a lot of benefits because it had the benefit of geography to do that. That was never going to stay in place forever. That, you know, yes, we closed the gold window in 1971 and really hurt ourselves, but the rest of the structure of the IMF, the World Bank, the Bank of International Settlements and so forth, all stayed in place and rather than those institutions disappearing with the gold standard, they simply evolved into something else. But that evolution causes these other forces to come into play that would that provide a countervailing power against having the World Bank and the IMF kind of dominate the world stage as sort of stalking horses of U.S. foreign policy. That was always bound to happen right the we are playing a dangerous game by using the dollar as a weapon against against Russia because we could do it against russia, but if we if but if that if that tells the Chinese well, we're going to use it against you someday too, if you don't do what we say, well then it's in the it's in China's great interest to develop an alternative infrastructure, and that alternative infrastructure that alternative infrastructure. Would be supported by an economy that is increasingly becoming the size of the U.S. economy, not because they're as productive as we are. Gosh, no, they're not. Not even in the neighborhood of our level of productivity. But they're simply big on the basis of the fact they have so many people. Their population is their strength. The population, by the way, that they are squand squan—they've squandered through the, the uh, one-child policy, and now are facing a, a declining labor force how they get out of that I do not know how is the U.S. dealing with it well in some part by being a a beacon to highly productive human beings to move to this country Um, China is not a place people emigrate to okay Um, by and large Um, particularly non ethnic Chinese persons don't emigrate to China okay look at the data (laughs) it's pretty evident they don't, so you you know, for some for us to have our reserve currency threatened means you have to have other economies grow. We want other economies to grow. That's great, but none of them except with the possible exception of China, we don't really think they're going to grow enough on the one on the one hand, and on the other hand, China makes it very hard for you to use their debt instruments in which you can store and receive a return on your renminbi receipts that you get from international trade. That's what makes the, the impact of the debt issue so hard, is that, that it's not the dollar itself. It's the treasury securities that have high value, because the government is providing you a rate of return that is so sure that your treasury security is the best collateral that you can get in the market right now, And that is the threat. The threat is not a default. As long as a technical default, as long as the default doesn't lead to people questioning the value of the of the collateral that the Treasury bond represents, there probably isn't too big an impact. But woe betide this this world economy if if they get to a point where people do question the value of that collateral. That's why that you will hear lots of statements in the next week or two not only from the Fed or from the IMF or the ECB but from the banks themselves saying we will continue to accept the accept treasuries as if they were still trading like they were before and there was and there was no delay in payment of interest because down that road is a down that road is a very dark path to something that will look will look very much like the great financial crisis i don't think they they don't have to do that i don't think they will do that and i really don't think i don't really think that the white house and congress are going to dare that particular op, op, that that particular possibility we'll be back right after this you're listening to the king bang show on the biz 1440
9: Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? Consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, being a member of the volunteer fire service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org.
3: We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business, and just overall it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely, we're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR.
4: Go to jtrroofinginc.com. That's jtrroofinginc.com.
11: All my life, I've been a working man.
5: When I was at school, they said that's all you'll ever understand. No profession didn't figure in their plans, so they sent me down the factory to be a working man.
8: Welcome all back, for, King Banyan Show. The Biz. Fourteen Forty. So good to be with you on this uh on this weekend. Uh beautiful day today. Uh hope you can get out and enjoy it. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven, the number to call questions and comments. All right, I've talked about this coming up for an hour. Let's let's work through this. Neil Kashkari back on Monday of this week was on C N B C was on was was on uh was on their pant was was sitting at the desk uh at the at the opening bell. And um And and was asked a lot of questions about about not just what the Fed's going to do coming up, but and he has been kind of in the more hawkish camp. But I want to remind people, Neil Kashkari. We were just talking about the possibility of of defaults and so forth. Neil Kashkari was was the special investigator general inspector general, excuse me, special inspector general for the TARP okay the which was the government bailout program passed for the banks back in 2008 he was okay in the language in the 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 acronym he was the sigtarp okay um he's been the he's been the chair he's been the president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve now for going on 4 years i think maybe 4 years maybe 5 years one of the things i like about him is that his background is much more in engineering than in economics. He did not spend a lot of time around monetary theorists as a college student. He's been around the financial markets. He's worked for finance firms. He's worked in the Treasury. Uh, he's worked as the SIG TARP, and now he, and he's actually been, people won't remember, as part of his life probably, but he was a candidate for governor in, in California um, about 10 years ago. And so he was on CNBC, and he st- he was starting to talk first about about the banks and what's happening with with happening with the banks right now. And I mentioned the SigTarp piece because this is the lens through which he's thinking about this. So let's play cut number three, please.
2: That the biggest banks needed north of twenty percent real equity capital Mm -hmm. to protect themselves against these shocks that hit the economy and what's funny in america is that the biggest banks generally have much lower levels of capital than the small banks just take silicon valley bank if they had a lot more capital Their depositors would have been comforted because they could have absorbed their own mark-to-market losses, and we wouldn't be in this right now. Now, banks hate higher capital because it directly limits their profitability and their stock prices, but then we're in a situation where the government three times in 15 years has had to run in and stabilize financial markets. have had to run
8: in and stabilize financial markets. This is just, you know, he's... This is again the the Fed is an you can almost sense the fed's annoyed by this I don't want to deal with this I've got an inflation problem that we helped create because we waited too long to act, and now you guys got to go do this because you don't have enough enough equity capital in place and it's a real interesting look into what the what the thinking of the Federal Reserve is. I always think to myself Neil's one of the President Kashkari is one of the guys that 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 you know says the quiet part out loud, okay, um, and and that is really that is that is so interesting. It's really refreshing on that. Let me continue with him. Cut number four, please.
2: You know, you're you want to make money. You want to have bigger bonuses. You want to have your stock be worth more. So you roll the dice. You don't think it's actually going to happen. I don't think they're actually saying, I'm going to roll the dice and I'm going to get bailed out. I'm going to roll the dice and the downside's not that bad. It's not very likely. It's not going to happen to me. And then it does happen. And then who's on the hook? It's like the best analogy I have is nuclear power. Right? If a nuclear reactor melts down, governments will spend unlimited amount of money to stabilize it. Not for the sake of that power plant or their executives, but for the rest of us who suffer the consequences. It's the same situation in financial markets.
8: Yes, but and this is the interesting part. He does never he doesn't use the term, the term uh, moral hazard or or, or or adverse selection or something like that. But that's that's in essence what's happening here, because the because the banks know that the federal government wants to rush in. I actually don't. I actually prefer the idea of of thinking about volunteer fire departments, right? A volunteer fire department is is basically a mutual assistance, mutual aid by citizens of a, of a community to protect each other's homes in case a fire breaks out, right? Banks could have a mutual aid society, indeed, before the Federal Reserve and after the second bank in the United States, you had a period of approximately 80 years, 75 years, in which bank Bank runs were more common, and when a bank's got in trouble, it was other banks that stepped into the rescue. It's a little bit like that now, right? And so I, it, rather than his nuclear nuclear uh, power analogy, I like the I like the idea of fire stations. The reasons we charge taxes and we we make firefighters public employees is because we worry about people not investing in the mutual aid society and by that then we also regulate the ways in which your your home can be can be constructed to make sure there are not fire hazards within it etc etc it is that it is that kind of logic that he's talking about but there is indeed an incentive for banks to sort of recognize if I'm big enough if I'm a threat to the financial system I don't have to hold as much capital because I can in fact rely on the government to step in and bail me out i will not suffer the worst consequences of my own actions let's continue cut five please
2: but my experience in 2008 has taught me every time we thought we were through it every time we said this over smooth sailing the stress has re-emerged so when i think about this crisis it really is the outlook for inflation if inflation continues to be entrenched at a very high level and the Federal Reserve has to keep rates high to try to bring inflation back down to break that dynamic, then the yield curve is going to be inverted for an extended period of time, and then these stresses in the banking sector will likely continue and maybe get worse.
8: So interesting. He's calling out the inversion of the yield curve as the reason why the banks are having trouble. And I think that this is something I truly wish had been said by someone, by you know, Chair Chair Powell. That the inversion of the yield curve that has been caused by the Federal Reserve actions is a threat to the banks. It's certainly true, and he says that, he says that's that's true. But he says, hey, if we break inflation, and, and if it turns out inflation comes down more rapidly, and it, maybe things won't be so bad. So let's just play this cut, cut six, please.
2: If, on the other hand, markets are right that inflation is going to fall quickly, then you could imagine policy normalizing, the yield curve uninverting, and then the stresses in the banking sector become smaller.
8: So in other words, if the Federal Reserve is successful in reducing inflation and they come down rapidly, that will be better for banks. So it is an argument, in essence, to tell the banks, you may think that our our inflation policy is damaging to you. But only by providing a credible, a credible um, anti-inflation policy can we get the yield curve to the point where you can actually make money by borrowing from people at short-term rates and lending to people at long-term rates that are higher. As long as the curve's inverted, you're going to be in trouble, and you need to be on our side. Trying, he's trying to bring them on side. That's why I brought up the governor's piece president kashkari understands understands how to get a message across and get and, and and make the make what really is a political argument to the banks he's he's lobbying them get off our backs about fighting inflation because it actually better for you if we do that and i think that's really that's really remarkable i'm going to take a break here i'm going to go ahead and place some more some more of Kashkari after this and go back and listen to more what he has to say about monetary policy right after these messages you're listening to the King Banyan show on the biz 1440
1: the biz 1440 KYCR Golden Valley
3: I
4: was nine weeks along and didn't know what else to do
2: I felt helpless
1: and I didn't want to leave
2: it up to her, but I didn't know what to do or say.
4: I didn't know there were other options available.
2: I didn't know it was a baby with a beating heart
4: Pro-Life Across America is educational, non-political, and tax-deductible.
8: A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America.
7: 800-504-1123. That's 800-504-1123.
6: What does it mean to be a Christian woman in our current culture? How does your faith in Christ relate to the world around you? At times, being a Christian can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and challenging landscape. That's why you should visit Ibelieve.com, a site designed for Christian women. Whether you're looking for insight, conversation starters for your church group, or just an uplifting message, you'll find it at iBelieve.com. Visit iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group.
1: $40,000? Yes. To fix up your house. You're millionaires! Yes! <laughs> you had to call me about $40,000 when oh, you have no, when I you didn't... have almost $2 million? The Ramsey Show. Live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. From Elk River to the Congo River and Cannon Falls to Niagara Falls. We're where you are. We are Twin Cities Business Radio. Stream the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
7: Lace-up boots and faded jeans. Homemade sandwich. Now, Probably what I should tea. be wearing
8: uh, tonight. I'm average going to dinner with uh, friends uh, for, for this same Memorial Day weekend. We're enjoying a visit from our day. from our daughter who lives overseas uh, right now, and we're visiting with the family this weekend. Hopefully you have the chance to do that as well on this vacation, Memorial Day weekend. Um, and uh, let me let me go back then to... to uh, President Neil Kashkari, again, on CNBC, on, I think this was on Morning Bell, or was it, maybe it was Squawk Box on Monday. Um, Yeah, no, it was Squawk. And and so he's run through sort of what's going on with the banks, and he's just made reference to the inverted yield curve. To make sure my listeners understand, an inverted yield curve is when short-term interest rates are above long-term interest rates. And I'm not talking about the fact that one month or or near less than one month Treasury bills are are currently yielding well above five percent, indeed closer to six and a half percent right now, because of the fear of a delayed payment from a from a technical default uh, from the from the U.S. government uh, that can't get its act straight on the debt ceiling. Um, but short-term rates like a two-year Treasury is still paying around 4.5%, whereas a 10-year Treasury is still paying, is paying 3.8%. So when that two-year rate's above the 10-year rate and that's negative, that's bad for banks because they have to borrow at that short-term rate, but they typically are lending in the mortgage market. And in, the, in, many, in many of their markets, they're lending at that longer rate, you know, based on that longer rate. So he's made a point of talking about that and what he's saying is if we can get inflation down if we can match the the market's expectation that these rates are going to come down fast then we can move the fed funds rate down We and and we'll reinv- we'll will 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 uninvert the yield curve because the normal status is that the 2-year bond pays a lower interest rate than a 10-year bond okay He says that. Then he continues uh, in this fabulous conversation on Squawk Box on Thursday. This is cut seven.
2: I think right now it's a close call either way versus raising another time in June or skipping. Some of my colleagues have talked about skipping. Important to me is not signaling that we're done. Mm -hmm. If If we were to skip in June, that does not mean we're done with our tightening cycle. It means to me we're getting more information. Do we then start raising again in July, potentially? And so that's the most important thing to me, is that we're not taking it off the table.
8: And I think this, and again, I'm going to go back and play, I think this is the right one. Uh, Vincent Reinhart, who was a staff economist, sat in all those FOMC meetings, not as a voting member, but as a member of the staff advising FOMC, he says this, cut number one.
5: I think they lack introspection uh, because once you skip a meeting, it becomes much harder to change the policy rate the next meeting. Think back just at the turn of this year, how much trouble they had adjusting the pace of firming. Uh, They cut the pace back a little bit too early, but then they couldn't adjust it because they had set this precedent. They're going to run into the same problem. If they stop, they stop.
8: And I I think that's the fear. And I th- actually think Kashkari, who is a voting member of FOMC, if they decide to pause, I will be looking to see whether or not he dissents from that pause. Okay? Because that will mean that he, he ended up on the side of, no, we have to fight Because I think he's leaning in that direction. That's why, for this entire show, what did I talk about in all the first hour? The data is coming in to suggest the economy has been stronger than expected, from consumer sentiment to PMIs to the second quarter GDP data to the personal income personal consumption data. This coming week you're going to get another consumer sentiment number. And then Friday you get the second of the trifecta. You're going to get the May payroll data. And and that's why we're going to talk about the May numbers. and, and you're going to get that. I cannot imagine I absolutely cannot imagine that if that comes in within that two fifty to three hundred range in in the way that the last few months have gone, and if that happens, I can't imagine the inflation rate data is going to change very much, and therefore I cannot imagine that a Kashkari would not think would not go into the meeting, thinking they should raise. That doesn't mean they will raise. He's only one voice of twelve. But he could, in terms of voting members, but he may, in fact, then say, you know what, I'm going to have to register a dissent there. If you decide to pause, I'm very concerned that we're not going to, we're not going to turn it back on again. Let's play one more cut. This is, again, Neil Kashkari on Monday on Squawk Box on CNBC Cut 8.
2: Yeah, they've been thinking that for a while. And even though uh, we keep getting surprised about how high inflation has been, how entrenched it has been, how slow it is coming down, markets seem very optimistic that rates are going to fall. Now, I think that they believe that inflation is going to fall, and then we're going to be able to respond to that. I hope they're right, but nobody should be confused about our commitment to getting inflation back down to 2%. I'm Is it? not –
9: again, the the, the entire –
8: the entirety of the fed has been been very adamant about saying we are committed to getting inflation down to 2%. because they have to say that. has their credibility been damaged? of course it's been damaged. but the the, the point here is even though it's a trifecta their preferred measure this week came in with no change in in the in the inter, in the inflation rate on a 12 trailing 12 month basis between January and April 4.7, 4.7, 4.6, 4.7 those are the data they're not going to get another one before their June meeting they're going to get an employment number it would have to be in my mind calamitous like a number under 100,000 for anyone to think that that, that's going to end up supporting a pause scenario because I think the May CPI number Based on what we're seeing so far, the May CPI number is likely to be still with a core CPI that's in that in that area of over 4%. And I do not know how the Fed, and, and more importantly, that the slope of the time over time of that core CPI number on that 12-month basis is virtually flat. It, it's the, it's that it's that it's the rate of change They have to get the rate of changes of prices going slower and, or, or if you'll forgive me for calculus for a second that second derivative needs, needs to be negative distinctly negative for them to even think to me about pausing and at least in this one case I think this guy is, is going to be the one that ends up dissenting if there needs to be a dissent um, I, don't think they, I don't think they should back off on that Um, we'll be back, we'll be back next week with at least, uh, at least some information for you about the jobs report as the big number, uh, you know, we'll be here for you with new material next week. Thank you, Spencer, for your work and happy Memorial Day weekend from the King Daniels show on the biz 1440.
6: Are you or a loved one struggling with drug or alcohol use? Maybe you're not sure if it's addiction or if treatment's needed. If so, you're not alone. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 19.3 million people aged 18 or older had a substance use disorder in the past year. Hazelden Betty Ford offers a free confidential assessment. Inpatient, outpatient, and virtual options are available. It's time to take back your life. Hazelden Betty Ford can help. This message sponsored by Hazelden Betty Ford, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and the state
11: is computer
0: It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories
8: alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association.
5: C.S.
2: Lewis once said, Education without values seems to make man a more clever devil. A Christian education is the solution to this problem and can be yours for half price for your child's first year. TwinCitiesTuitions.com and area schools are working together to make this a reality for families just like yours. Now you can equip your child with the knowledge and moral foundation needed for them to make an impact in today's world. To see the full list of participating half-off tuition institutions, go to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. There's